Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Drive to Thrive show, the show all about being yourself, being your best and truly thriving in life, whatever that means to you. I hope you're well and having a great day. I am absolutely fantastic. Yesterday, my fiance and I, Kirsty, took my daughter Arabella to the very top of her first ever mountain. We packed the car, drove off to the start of the Scottish Highlands, popped Arabella in the backpack and off we climbed all the way to the top. And to sit at 3,000 odd feet above sea level and just see the joy in this wee creature's face, witness the wonder in her eyes and the giggles that we shared as... We sat there and shared our packed lunch looking out over all the mountaintops into the Scottish Highlands was just so special that it's difficult to convey in words. And if you listened to last week's episode all about core values, you can probably hear some of my core values of family, nature, adventure, achievement, health and fitness all being fulfilled. And so on to today's episode. Have you ever had an experience or a dream where you're chasing something, you've got your eyes on it, you're determined to get it and you're running after it because you really, really want it? Have a think about that for a second. Recall that experience or dream and just take note what it looks like, what it sounds like and more importantly, what it feels like when you were chasing after that thing. And now have a think Have you ever had an experience or a dream where something was chasing you, where there's this thing behind you and you're looking back at it, you feel a bit frantic, you can't wait to get away from it because you don't want it to get you? Well, again, just bring that to mind, what it looks like, what it sounds like and exactly what it feels like, because the two are very different, aren't they? You're running in both scenarios and there's a something else in both scenarios But what's different is the feeling and the reason the feeling is different is because of why you're running, the motivations, the drivers behind it. And what we're going to be doing in today's episode is clarifying what our motives and drivers are for our goals and growth so that we can make sure we're coming at our goals and growth from a place that is resourceful and empowering, from a place that drives us towards success effectively and that allows us to enjoy the journey. Because getting the results that we want is just part of it. Enjoying the journey is also another hugely important part because often the journey takes much longer than that final step it takes to succeed. And so making sure we can enjoy the journey, that we do the journey in the most effective way possible is going to give us the greatest chances of achieving success, sustaining that success and also getting to appreciate and enjoy it. Now, why is it important that we check what our motives and drivers are for our goals and growth? Well, if you think back to the example we gave earlier, where in one experience you were chasing after something, and in the other experience you were being chased by something, and how the two felt very different. Well, when we are chasing after something, we have our eyes on the prize, we're focused on it, we're purposeful, we're inspired, and we have this positive sense of drive and determination that gives us the greatest chance of achieving the results that we want and doing it in an enjoyable way. But when we're being chased by something, we're a bit more frantic, we're a bit more flustered, we are maybe a wee bit more desperate or fearful and we keep looking behind us at what that thing is and so we're much more likely to trip up, to tire ourselves and to not get the results that we want. 
Or maybe we get to the destination, but because of these feelings, we're unable to properly enjoy it. Or because we still have this feeling when we get to the destination, we just keep running right by it to the next thing and to the next thing because these feelings behind us are driving us to keep running forward in this kind of frantic, almost fearful way. And that's why with anything in life, especially our personal growth and goals, our motivations and drivers are so important. Because the motivations behind why we want the things we want, behind why we're taking action, determine the energy we take action from. They determine the mental and emotional resources we have available to us, the way we react and respond to everything we experience, the thoughts we think, decisions we make, actions we take, and ultimately, they determine our ability to create the success and the results that we want and to be able to enjoy those things too. Which is why we're all here because we want to create hugely positive, impactful results in our life and to be able to enjoy them, right? Well, let's talk about how to do that. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Before you keep going, let's check where you're coming from. I want to share a concept with you, something that I like to share with my clients at workshops, webinars, speaking events, something that when I share it, people can be a wee bit mind blown by it, sometimes a wee bit taken aback by it because it's something that they've never thought about before. And when they do, they realize how something so simple can be so profound. And when I share it with people, I like to position it as, are you coming from a place of love or are you coming from a place of lack? And when it comes to our personal growth and goals, coming from a place of love is to come from this secure place of desire where we want better for ourselves. Whereas when we come from a place of lack, it's coming from this almost insecure place of need where instead of wanting better for ourselves, we feel that we require better of ourselves. Where Love is this anabolic, empowering energy about growing, evolving and levelling up, associated with curiosity, security, creativity, compassion, being inspired and having abundance. Whereas lack is a very catabolic, draining, destructive energy about fixing, compensating, trying to catch up, make up or fill in in order to be whole or good enough, which is associated with demand, consequences, insecurity, even desperation and scarcity. And so when it comes to our goals and our growth, when we come from a place of love, we come from this secure place of knowing we're good enough as we are and we want better for ourselves because we can have it, we want to have it, we maybe even feel we deserve to have it. Whereas when we come at our goals and growth from a place of lack, we're coming from this place of we're not good enough as we are, or things aren't good enough as we are, therefore we need to make these improvements, we need to achieve these things in order for things or ourselves to be good enough. Let me give you an example. 
If you imagine that when we come at our goals and growth from a place of love, it's like having a bungee cord tied to the front of us, which if you imagine that now, having this massive piece of elastic tied on to the front of us, it pulls us forward, it creates positive momentum, it pulls us through the journey over any obstacles and challenges and all the way towards success and feelings of achievement and fulfillment. But when we come at our goals and growth from a place of lack, it's like having a bungee cord tied onto the back of us, which again, if you imagine that, this massive piece of elastic tied onto the back of us is consistently pulling us backwards. It's creating resistance, stress, physical, mental and emotional fatigue. It's consistently pulling us away from success, working against us and pulling us away from those feelings of achievement and fulfillment. Which, as I'm sure you can tell, when it comes to being our very best, achieving our goals and thriving, one of these two options is much more resourceful, empowering and likely to allow us to do that. And by now, from just what we've shared so far, I'm sure you have a pretty clear idea of where you're coming from, of what your motives and drivers are for your personal growth and goals, of whether you're coming from a place of love or from a place of lack. And if not, that's perfectly okay. Just have a think just now. When I think about why it is I want to grow, when I think of why it is I want to get better, why I want to achieve my goals, am I coming from this secure place of desire where I know and feel I'm good enough as I am and I just want more for myself because I know I'm capable of having it, I know I can make it happen and I want it? Or are you coming from this more insecure place of need where you feel maybe I or things aren't good enough as they are and I must achieve these things in order for things to be good enough or else. And if you're not entirely sure yet, that's okay. Just take a wee pause. Give yourself some time to think and reflect, to think about what you want for your personal growth and your goals and what your motivations and drivers behind these things are. Because as you're about to find out, in doing so, you could identify some incredible opportunities for your personal growth. Because if you're coming from a place of love, then great, have at it. Drive forwards to everything you want to be, do, have and achieve. But if you're coming from a place of lack, then also great. Not because you've been feeling shitty, of course not. I want you to love and feel amazing about yourself. But great because you've identified this is where your work lies. And by working on your self-esteem and beliefs about yourself, this is going to be potentially the most empowering, liberating and freeing work that you can possibly do for your personal growth and goals right here and now. Because when we come at our goals and growth from a place of love, it's like coming from a place of being at baseline, if not better, and having this as a strong foundation for us to leap from and reach success. But when we come at our goals and growth from a place of lack, it's like being below baseline, below par, and we have to put in so much energy and effort just to reach that place before we can leap to reach success. And if you're coming from a place of lack and this goes unaddressed, then you could feel good about yourself for something that you do or achieve, but then you may feel compelled to keep doing more and more and more to chase these feelings of being good enough, to chase these feelings of self-worth and putting in so much time, energy and effort just to reach this place of baseline. 
Or maybe you get really lucky and something that you do or achieve unconsciously shifts a core belief about yourself that allows you to feel good enough going forwards. But more often than not, we end up achieving something that feels good initially, which then very quickly fades. Or we achieve something and it just feels empty and devoid of meaning because the thing that we thought was going to fix everything, the thing that we thought once we achieved it was going to allow us to feel whole, complete, worthy, lovable, good enough, it just didn't do it. And so we then run on to the next thing and to the next thing or we get disheartened and don't run on to anything else at all. Of course, both of which can trigger even more negative responses and end up in even greater mental health issues. Let me share three real life examples with you. The first is one of my very own. Back in the first episode, I shared with you that long before I started my personal development journey, I was in a place where I was anxious, depressed, I didn't feel good about myself, I was experiencing suicidal thoughts, I was pretty overweight, and I thought that getting fit and healthy was going to fix everything. I thought that getting in shape would make me feel much better, and I thought that having a six-pack would make me feel amazing about myself. And I put in all this energy, all this effort, all this drive and determination, and then One day, the day that it happened, I stood in front of the mirror and looked at this new six-pack I'd managed to carve out and that's actually when I hit my lowest point because the thing that I thought was going to fix everything, the thing that I thought was going to allow me to feel good about myself, didn't. And so at that point, I felt even more empty than I did before. I also felt even more afraid and hopeless than I did before because the thing that I thought was going to do it, didn't. The second example is a client of mine called Suzanne and when Suzanne first came to me she had all kinds of stuff going on with her self-worth and self-esteem. It all related back to childhood and feelings of being good enough and this feeling of not being good enough or of needing to be better in order to be good enough. It did drive her, it did push her forward in life and business and that's the thing. These feelings of not being good enough can drive us to achieve success, to want to be better, to be ambitious but it's coming from this very fearful, draining, catabolic place and that's classic imposter syndrome. A lot of people who experience imposter syndrome are in fact high achievers who are very good at what they do but the fact that they cannot recognise that they are good at what they do and they feel that they are not good enough as a person or they're not good enough in what the thing they do is, that drives them forward to achieve success but it drains them, it burns them out, it's not enjoyable and so in Suzanne's case, in her business, she was constantly driving forward to push the business forward, to achieve more and more money, to finally hit six figures because six figures is this entrepreneurial mecca that all entrepreneurs must reach and one day she did it. She hit those six figures and when she did it was one of the saddest moments of her life because she hit those six figures and went oh um this isn't what I expected so I've got six figures um multiple six figures is that what's next and she didn't get to enjoy what she had achieved because what she had achieved wasn't the solution she was looking for yes it was wonderful she'd have managed to achieve that in her business but that didn't fill in the hole inside that didn't allow her to feel good enough worthy enough lovable enough and so she was in this place of emptiness because 
the next figures, multiple six figures, she knew were just going to be as empty as the things she'd just gone on and achieved. The last example is a client of mine called Michael. And Michael is a competitive athlete. He likes to compete in triathlons, ultra marathons, big open water swims and cycles, and really just loves to push the boundaries of what's possible for him physically with his body. And when Michael came to me, he was in a place where he was looking for more, but he just wasn't quite sure what that was because the medals on his wall just weren't doing it for him. They didn't give him what it was he was looking for. And very quickly, I was able to work out why. And again, it went back to his childhood because when he was younger and he would speak up, he would be told to be quiet, to shut up, that what he had to say wasn't important or didn't matter. And so as a young child, what he learned was that he wasn't important. And so as he hit adolescence, as he got into his ego, he became quite driven, quite competitive, wanted to achieve things not for the sake of the achievement, the accolade or the enjoyment of success, but subconsciously, he was driving himself towards these things to try and prove himself, to prove that he was important, to prove that he was good enough. And so, although he had achieved all these medals, won these races and competed in some incredible events and achieved some amazing feats in the fields of strength and endurance, they were empty. They might have tickled his ego, they might have allowed him to feel powerful for all of a few minutes or a few days, but they didn't allow him to prove that he was important. They didn't allow him to prove to himself that he was good enough. And so he was in this place of not knowing where to go or what to do next because every time he got one of these medals, it might have sat on the outside of his chest, but it didn't fill in that hole that was on the inside. And all of these things, all three of these examples can be completely avoided because if we realise that we're coming from a place of lack, instead of wasting precious time, energy and valuable resources, chasing after external symbols of our value and worth, instead of chasing external validation to prove our worthiness, lovableness and that we're good enough, things that might not actually do it, we can instead turn our focus insight, come to the root cause and do the powerful work on our self-esteem and beliefs about ourselves so that we can feel good enough, so that we can be empowered and start from this place of baseline and jump from there to reach success. Because here's the thing about self-worth, and please excuse me for a second while I climb up on my soapbox. You were born worthy, you are worthy, and you will always be worthy. And nothing that you do or that anyone else says or does can ever change that. Think about it for a second. If you weren't worthy, you wouldn't have been granted this miracle of life. But you were, which means that you are, and it's none of your fucking spiritual business to decide otherwise. Because your worth as a human being was decided for you. It was decided that you are good enough, if not even better, the very moment that you were granted life. And I realise that me sharing this may help to change some beliefs and feelings about yourself, or it may not. Which is why I'm sharing this as a dedicated episode to help you to realise now that this is where your work lies. This is where your most empowering, freeing and liberating opportunities for personal growth are. Because when you do the work to feel good enough about yourself, everything gets better. Your goals and growth 
get easier and your results, you get to enjoy them. And as a human being, you deserve that. Even if you don't believe it, I believe it enough for the both of us and one day you will too. And hopefully that day will be today or maybe it's tomorrow or next week once you've put this into action. But regardless, it's possible for you to feel good enough. And for now, I'm going to get down off my soapbox and let's come at this with some logic. Because regardless of what you think and feel about yourself, here's five important things for us to consider about our thinking. Firstly, our thinking is nothing more than an approximation of what's actually real and true about ourselves, others and the world. Our thinking is nothing more than a drastically skewed perspective, skewed by our past experiences and our beliefs. Think about it for a second. The way we think about the world isn't the way that it actually is all of the time. You could be sitting in your living room, relaxing and enjoying yourself, and from outside you hear someone scream and think, oh my goodness, no, someone's in trouble. You jump up, you run to the window, you look outside, and there's some children running around a garden having an amazing time, one of them chasing another with a bucket of water. Now, your initial perception of that made you think someone's in trouble. You would have made mental pictures or movies, potentially had sounds and created these feelings that made you think that someone was in trouble. But when you went and looked, that's not the way that it actually was. And so thinking about that, in the past, have you ever been wrong about something that you've thought before? I know I certainly have. And so if you've been wrong about some things before, if you have negative thoughts, feelings, beliefs about yourself, what are the chances that you could also be completely wrong about this negative thinking too? Pretty damn good, right? Well, it's something to consider. Secondly, we are not the thoughts which we think. All day, every day, we have thoughts, we create thoughts, we experience thoughts, but we are not the thoughts which we think. We are the thinker and observer of those thoughts. The fact that we can see our thoughts when they appear as images and mental movies, the fact that we can hear our thoughts when they come up as internal dialogue or ideas show that we have a subject-object relationship with our thoughts and thus we are not the thoughts which we think. And if you think about it, throughout the day, you'll have random thoughts pop through your mind, you'll have random impulses and temptations come in, things that you never live out or act upon. Why? Because they're preposterous or ridiculous. And so all day, every day, there'll be thoughts come in and out of your head that you allow to have absolutely zero effect over you because you are not the thoughts that you think. And it's only when we believe that the thoughts that come up are us, that we are truly thinking them, that they are true and that we identify with them, this is when we get into trouble. And we're going to talk about using the power of this in some of the tips I'm going to give you later. But for now, just remember, you are not the thoughts which you think which is why meditation is powerful because it allows us to get quiet, to sit still and to observe the thoughts going on within our minds, 
not to silence it, but to be with them, to be present with them, to observe them and to realize that although we are having all these thoughts, although we're experiencing all these thoughts and emotions, we are not the thoughts and emotions which we experience. Thirdly, our thoughts and beliefs are things which we have the power to change. Think about it for a second. If I say to you, dog, 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 think about a dog. Right now, you're more than likely thinking about a dog. You've created a representation of a dog in your own mind. Maybe you've got a picture of one and you can see it. Maybe you can hear one panting and you're hearing it. Hey, maybe you can even smell one. But right now, you're most likely thinking about a dog. And so if I then say to you, think about a big blue dog, think about a big blue dog, make a big blue dog in your mind, think about a big blue dog. You're most likely now thinking about and potentially picturing a big blue dog. Now a moment ago, that dog looked, sounded, maybe even smelled different, but now it's big and blue. You changed that. And so if you're thinking about a big blue dog now, now think about the moon. What does the moon look like? It's white, it's got craters in it. You might see a man on the moon. Maybe it looks like cheese to you if you know Wallace and Gromit. Think about the moon. Now think about me in a nice pink tiara. All of a sudden, you're changing your thoughts. These are things you have power to change. And so negative thinking about ourselves, we can change. Just the same as our beliefs. There are things that you once believed were true that now you believe are not true, just the same as there are things that maybe before you believed weren't true and now you believe that they are. Very classic example, when you were younger, depending on your culture and where you were brought up, you probably believed in Santa and at one stage in your life, Santa was true. There was this man in a red suit that came to the house once a year, managed to somehow squash himself down that chimney with all these toys and presents without making a mess, leave these presents behind and then go off again. And for years of your life, you believed this is true. And then one day, something happened, you witnessed something, heard something, experienced something that allowed you to change that belief in your mind so that you no longer believe Santa is true. And we have the power to do this with any and all beliefs which we have. And so if you have negative beliefs about yourself, your self-worth, your abilities, your skills, these are things you have the power to change. Fourth, our past doesn't define us. That's right, our past doesn't define us. We said earlier that our current thinking and our current beliefs create perspectives drastically skewed by our past experiences, but your past experiences don't shape who you are. You shape who you are based upon what you choose to think and believe about your past experiences. Again, think about this with me for a second. Something that happened in your past we can't jump in a time machine and go back and change it. But what we can do is go back in time in our minds and change the way in which we remember it. Because our memories aren't exactly the way they were when we experienced that thing. Our memories can change and evolve over time. And we tend to remember things the way that we last remembered them. And this, again, just like we can change our thinking, just like we can change our beliefs, we can change the way in which we remember events. 
So if we were to take some form of experience from our past, say a positive, enjoyable experience that we had, and change some of the way in which we recall it, like the actual content of what happened, if we change it slightly, if we make it even brighter, more colourful, make the sound louder, make the picture bigger, we can increase the feelings of positivity from the way in which we recall that experience. And just by the same token, we can take negative past experiences and we can change the way in which we remember them by again altering what we remember actually happened, changing the colour, brightness, size, shape of the images which we see and again this is going to drastically change the way in which we remember this memory. And when we change the way in which we remember memories, it changes the way we currently think, feel and perceive ourselves, others and the world. And so we have the power to define ourselves any way which we want by choosing to think and feel ways about our past that are resourceful and empowering. Fifth, in light of all these new insights, that at best your thinking is nothing more than an approximation of what is real and true, that you are not the thoughts that you think, that you have the power to change your thoughts and beliefs and that your past doesn't actually define you. In light of all of this, I want to share a quote with you by a man called Bruce D. Schneider. And that quote is, you are always and in all ways greater than you think. You are always and in all ways greater than you think. Because you are real. You are true. You are grounded in the physical presence of the here and now of reality. But your thinking is not. It's merely an approximation of reality skewed by past experiences and beliefs. It's not what you actually are and you have the power to change it. And so any negative thoughts, beliefs and emotions that you have about yourself, others, the world, about your worth, your skills, your abilities, you have the power to change it. And up next, I've got five quick tips to help you start making that shift right now. In the future, I will be doing a dedicated episode all about self-esteem and self-worth and what you can do to strengthen and improve it. But for now, here's five quick tips that you can use right away to begin strengthening your sense of self-worth and coming at your goals and growth from a place of love. Number one, compliment yourself. Now this might sound a bit ridiculous and if it does, that's perfectly okay because we want to start having some fun with this. So every single time you get something done or tick something off, I want you to say to yourself, hey, well done, that's amazing that you've seen that all the way through to the end and pay yourself some form of compliment. Every single time you go by the mirror or a window and you catch your reflection, hey, good looking, I want you to pay yourself some form of compliment about yourself. And although it might seem strange or uncomfortable at first, that's okay. The more consistently we can get into a habit of seeing ourselves, making eye contact with ourselves and saying nice complimentary things to ourselves, eventually these things are going to start to land and get embedded within our minds. So tip number one, every single time you get something done or you see yourself in a mirror, pay yourself a compliment. Number two is to pick three things that you're proud of yourself for. At the end of each day, as you're getting into bed, whether you want to do this in your journal, which is super powerful, or even if you just want to do it in your own head, which is just as good, I want you to think about the day just gone by and ask yourself, 
What are three things that I can be proud of myself for that happened today? Because when we do this, we're forcing our brains to reflect upon the day gone past and perceive them in a positive way that points out things that are good about us, things that we did well and things which we can be proud of ourselves for. And over time, this begins to sink into our minds. It begins to embed and perceiving ourselves in our days in positive ways becomes the new normal. And even on the days where we don't do as well as we would like to do, if we ask the question, it still forces that positive perspective. So even on a day where we didn't do as well as we wanted to, we can still ask, what are three things I'm proud of myself for today? And we might go, well, do you know what? I only ate 20 biscuits, I didn't eat 25, and I only flipped off three people on the motorway compared to the 10 that I flipped off yesterday, so do you know what? I'm proud of myself for that. But for real, even on those days, we can still find things to be proud of. So at the end of each night, I want you to ask yourself, what are three things I can be proud of myself for today? And reflect upon those things and enjoy those feelings of being proud of yourself. And if you want to take this a step even further, when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself, what's three things I can be proud of myself for in general? And just pick three things from across your life that you can be proud of yourself for. Number three is to separate who you are from what you do. Just the same as we are not the thoughts that we think, we are not the actions we take or results which we create. Just because I don't do very good at something or I fail at something doesn't mean that I'm not good enough or that I'm a failure. It just means that that attempt wasn't good enough to reach success and it failed. Thus, I have an opportunity to learn and grow from it so that I can improve going forwards. But when we're in this place of coming from a place of lack or we have a low self-esteem or self-worth, we tend to attach who we are to what we do. And so when we do well, it allows us to temporarily feel good if we can even recognise that. And when we don't do things so well, we take it very personally. We make it all about us and it just acts as evidence to show why we're currently not good enough. And so in your mind, actively, consciously, separate who you are from what you do. If you do a piece of work that turns out is below par, that's okay. All it is, is a bit of work below par. You are still a whole, worthy, complete, lovable human being, regardless. If you do something that turns out to be a failure, that's okay. That attempt was a failure. You are still a worthy, lovable, whole and complete human being. And guess what? Now you've got an opportunity to learn and grow from that experience and achieve success the next time. And so, in your mind, actively, consciously separate who you are from the things that you do. And if something that you do doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to, if it fails, if it doesn't get the result, that's okay. I want you to practice talking to yourself like a friend. And I know that is such cliche advice. The only reason it's cliche is because it's so often said and not very often practiced. But if you were to fail at something and you say to yourself, oh, God damn it, you're such an idiot. Look what you've done. If you said that to a friend, they're not going to be a friend for very long. Whereas if a friend failed at something, you might go, hey, that's okay. That attempt didn't work. All we need to do is take a step back, regroup, think about what we can change going forward and you'll get there eventually. I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. I love you. 
how's that person going to feel? They're going to feel amazing. They're going to feel seen, heard, supported, loved, and that's going to give them even greater chances of success. And so if something doesn't go the way that you want it to, practice speaking to yourself like a friend in your own head. Number four, practice being present. If you remember back to earlier when I was talking about how we are not the thoughts which we think, and I said that this concept can actually be used as a powerful tool to help us with our personal growth. Well, this is exactly it. By practicing being present in the moment, we can much more easily witness and observe our thoughts as something separate from ourselves, and thus they have much less power over us. Because when we witness and observe our thoughts as something separate from ourselves, we're detached from them, which means that if and when any negative thinking does pop up, instead of jumping straight into identifying with it, being consumed by it and thinking and feeling all of it, we can much more easily and quickly interrupt that pattern of thinking, completely disregard it or even positively change it. And how can we practice being present? Number one, we can use various different forms of meditation, one where we sit down nice and quietly, close our eyes and just be present to whatever is going on within our minds and within our bodies. By practicing being present in this way, that skill then transfers into the rest of our days and our lives, allowing us to be more present and aware through each moment. Another is to actively, consciously practice as we're going through our days. Like right now, I focus on things I can see, like I can see the camera, the microphone, the plants around me, I can feel my bum on the chair, my feet on the floor. And by focusing on things that are in my immediate present awareness, it anchors me to the present, which means any negative or unhelpful thoughts passing through, I can allow them to do just that, just like clouds in the sky. So if you practice being present, you're more aware of what's going on in your mind and you can much more easily interrupt, disregard and transform it. It means that any negative or unhelpful thinking about yourself, your abilities, your worth, the world or others, you can very easily let it go. And that right there is such a powerful skill to have. Number five, and last but by no means least, is to address any potential limiting core beliefs. When it comes to our self-esteem and self-worth, which are really just our thoughts and feelings about ourselves, our core beliefs play a massive role in contributing to what these thoughts and feelings are. And so if we can identify any potentially limiting core beliefs about ourselves, our worth, our value, our lovableness, our skills, our abilities, we can then go ahead and change these things which will dramatically change the way we think and feel about ourselves. The way to identify potentially limiting core beliefs is simply to ask, what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about my skills and abilities? What do I believe about my worth? And then go ahead on a bit of paper in your journal and write down absolutely everything that comes to mind. And any statement, belief or saying, opinion of yourself that causes you to think or feel negatively that could be unresourceful in you feeling your best and getting the results that you want, that's a potential limiting core belief. And all we want to do is then highlight those beliefs, search and reflect and look for evidence to the contrary to prove that it's a load of BS. Then have a think about what we would love to believe instead and then set a goal for ourselves to go and do something that someone with that belief would do and thus allow us to adopt that belief. 
And so this is potentially one of the most powerful things that we can do for our self-worth and self-esteem is to address our core beliefs about ourselves. Because if we change those, it is going to completely change our perception of ourselves, of others and of the world. And you can do this yourself using the method described or even more powerfully, you can do it with a coach. And there you have it. Five quick tips to help you strengthen and improve your self-esteem and self-worth. Which brings today's episode nicely to a close, where we've learned all about the motivations and drivers behind our personal growth and goals, one being coming from a place of love, the other coming from a place of lack. We learned about the importance of these motivations because the drivers behind why we want the things that we want will determine the energy we take action from, the mental and emotional resources we have available to us, the thoughts we think, decisions we make, actions we take, how we react and respond to everything we experience and of course to our ability to create the results and success we want and to be able to enjoy these things too. From here, we then give examples about what it's like to take action from a place of love versus a place of lack. Love being like an elastic band pulling us forward, giving us positive momentum and drawing us towards achievement, fulfillment and success. Whereas a place of lack being like an elastic band attached behind us, constantly pulling us backwards, creating resistance, stress, fatigue and constantly fighting against us as we try to move towards fulfilment, achievement and success. From here, we then gave some real life examples of my own experiences and my clients and what it's like to come from a place of lack and how it holds us back. We then took any negative thinking about ourselves and attacked it with logic and made it look completely ridiculous because we're not the thoughts that we think and you are always in an always greater than you think. And last but by no means least, we then shared five top tips that you can use to strengthen and improve your self-esteem and self-worth. And so, all that's left to say is, if you're currently coming from a place of lack, that is perfectly natural and perfectly okay. And even more importantly, things can be different and you have the power to make them so. So please put this into action. Do this freeing, empowering and liberating work. And from here on out, let's come at our goals and growth from a place of love. Please make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube and please leave a five-star review with your podcast host. If you have any questions, anything you would like to share or get help with with anything related from today's episode, then please reach out to me anytime. I'll be more than happy to help. Until next time, take care, please be kind to others and I'll catch you real soon. Peace.